Well, today is an incredible day for us. We're wrapping up the Functional Faith Message Series, the last Sunday of the year. It's been a phenomenal year, and uh, I would like to welcome those of you who are joining us online, those of you who are spread across the country, visiting family. you got sick kids, all of you at Sunnyvale. Uh, Sunnyvale is doing great. In fact, they are opening their brand new building on Christmas Eve, which is exciting. And um, I went there yesterday. There are miracles that are happening there every single day. Um, they're getting closer and closer, but it's still going to take a miracle for them to get in there. And we're excited about that brand new building. And then South San Jose, glad you guys are with us as well. And uh, we are wrapping up this series looking at the subject of functional faith. We've been having some fun here over the last couple of weeks. And, um, in fact, um, somebody shared with me a story about how they had applied the message of functional faith to their life. They said, you know, you've been doing so much with all these kettlebells on stage that I decided I'd try some new moves. So they went home and they tried the Turkish get up. And then this one person uh, pulled her neck trying to do the Turkish get up. And I really do want you to apply the message to your life, but that was not really what I was intending. So, um, but we've been looking at how faith, God wants faith to get into every aspect of our lives, that God wants faith to inform the way we relate to each other, to change the way we handle our finances, the way that we interact with people who are homeless, all of the above, both public, private, and then the secret places of our lives in our hearts. God is wanting to get faith into our lives. This comes out of the idea of functional fitness that so often when we work out, or if we do work out, maybe not much this time of year, but when we work out in January, we will tend to go to the glory muscles. We'll tend to go to the things that everybody can see but there are all these other muscles that we use way more than our biceps. There are muscles that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. And functional fitness is about adaptability and application. It's about when you work out, being able to use it throughout the course of your week, when you're putting up the Christmas tree, when you're lifting kids up, when you're carrying boxes at work. It's functional. So faith, God's intention is that it would become functional in your life. But not only does God want faith to become functional in your life, he wants faith to move through your life into the lives of others. So God, whenever he gives you a word or he changes you, he doesn't change you so that it stops with you. God wants to change you so that you can become a change agent. And so often when we think of maturity in terms of faith, we think of depth, which is great. We want to go deeper. In fact, people who follow Jesus, the message of Jesus goes further and further into our lives. We say here at South Bay, we exist to lead people to say yes to Jesus and passionately follow him. That's so that the message gets deeper into your life. But a deep faith is not one that just infuses every aspect of your faith or your life. A deep faith is one that moves from your life to the life of others. It's a breadth and depth that God is after. So spiritual maturity is, is not just that you have a bunch of information and knowledge. Spiritual maturity is that you apply information and knowledge. Spiritual maturity is that your life becomes a conduit for other people, lives to be changed through you. So a church that is truly spiritual mature will not have a bunch of people that have memorized the Bible in it. A church that is spiritually mature may have some people that know large chunks of scripture, but a mature church has people who are followers of Jesus that are making disciples or other followers of Jesus. So there will be some people in those churches that are not yet mature. So a mature church has people at all different levels of faith. And the deeper you go in your faith, I'm preaching here for a reason, the deeper you go in your faith is not so that it can stay with you. 
God wants faith to go in you so that it can go through you into the lives of others. So when you start to think of the potential of this, that your faith could become viral through your life, that it could spread from your life to the lives of others. If you take 2,000 people from South Bay and we all became the kind of people that spread our faith and the difference that God has made in our lives to the lives of others, there's no limit to what God could do in us and through us. So today my message is about a faith that goes viral. Now, that's kind of a funny word, right? To go viral. I'm not talking about a disease that goes viral. I'm talking about like videos that go viral. My boys um, recently have gotten into to YouTube videos and they want me to film them doing different activities. They're like, dad, check out this water bottle flip. Anybody else? Your kids do water bottle flips? I'm about to flip that water bottle in somebody's face. It's just all the time. Last night we were eating at, at Panera Bread and my kids are doing water bottle flips and they're like knocking other people's dinners over. I'm like, goodness gracious, the water bottle flip. So they think that the water bottle flip's gonna go viral or they're, they're shooting down cups with Nerf guns in the house. Let's film this, Dad, so that it can go viral and everybody is gonna watch it. See, the goal with a viral video is that like millions of people would watch it within three to five days. So I'm, I'm sure nobody's gonna be watching it at that level. See, there's some messages that go viral, and then there are some messages that stay local, so that you shoot a video, and your mom liked it. She was excited about what you ha were having for lunch. You know, she wanted to know. But the, other than your mom, like five people cared about what you had for lunch, you know? So the, the hope, though, is that your video, you get more followers, and it would go viral. But whenever something goes viral, there's a message or content that goes viral, and then there's a medium that takes that message viral. So that's where we get the word media. So the media is the medium, plural, of mediums to take the message into the lives of others. And then there's a catalyst. So you put your video up and then you know, somebody famous watches your video and then they spread it and then a million people are watching it. There's this movement though with something that spreads viral. See, God wants to take your faith and use your faith to spread it into the lives of other people around you. But so many people who follow Jesus, their faith is an end in them. So it changes them, but it doesn't change other people through them. But that's not God's intention for your life. So today I want to look at the question, how does it spread through you? You know, the functional fitness community, they, I've joked over the last couple of weeks how they're like cocaine addicts with CrossFit because they want everybody else to know. But part of the reason why is because when something changes your life, whether it's fitness or it's a restaurant or it's the Oakland Raiders, whatever it is, if your life, if you get excited about something, you don't hold it to yourself. You want other people to experience it. But somehow, when it comes to faith, we let faith stop with us. So we're going to become the kind of people that it moves from us. In fact, today, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open to Luke chapter two. And sometimes if I get like a um, handheld microphone, I feel like I need to preach a little bit more. I don't know what it is about the handheld. Somebody told me it was because I was trying to show off my glory muscles because um, I've been talking about that. But no, actually I broke my other microphone. So I got a handheld today. So if I can preach a little bit more, please humor me. So Luke chapter two, we're going to start in verse eight and we're going to look at the story of when God shows up. You know, when we read these stories from the Bible, they're not fables. We, we have a Jesus storybook Bible in my kid's bedroom right next to all the other books. And I have to tell them over and over, this is not a fable. This is a true historical event. So the moment when God would come from heaven to earth, we're going to see that story today. And we're going to notice from the story, the people that God chooses to use to spread his word 
starting in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, I think that there's something important about this that if we read too fast, we could miss it. See, a shepherd was probably the best comparison today would be like a fisherman. You guys ever seen the Deadliest Catch show? These guys are nasty. They smell. That's your dad. I'm sorry. But they, they're, you know, fishermen have a reputation for being dirty. They handle fish. They stink. Their, their, their lifestyle is kind of dirty as well. See, the shepherds were much like that. They had a reputation. Their dignity had been stripped of them because of their reputation. Yeah, I think that God has a particular affection for shepherds. In fact, the Bible calls God a shepherd. And I think a part of that affection that God has for shepherds is because what they did. The role of a shepherd was so selfless that they would stay awake. There were no iPhone flashlights back then. So they would stay awake all night and they would guard their sheep against wolves and animals that would come and attack. So they would oftentimes, if they were a good shepherd, they'd lay down their life for the animal that they were watching. So there's this group of people and they're out at night. It's cold. They're watching over their sheep. They're doing the ordinary things of life. Sometimes the greatest moments of life flow out of the ordinary, and here they are just doing their normal deeds, and the angel shows up, and in verse 9, I want us to notice, it says, they were there watching, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, angels serve several purposes in the Bible. First of all, angels fight on God's behalf, spiritual battles. Angels also, they worship. So they exist. Scripture says that there are angels in heaven rejoicing. So every moment that we're singing songs, there are angels that have seen the glory of God for all of eternity that are joining with us, celebrating the presence of God. And then angels also were messengers or are messengers of God's good news. So here's this group of angels that have been waiting for this moment when they get the opportunity to deliver the good news to the people of the world that God is going to come and live among us and they show up on the scene and the group of people that they choose to show up to, not kings, not dignitaries, a group of dirty shepherds. And immediately when the shepherds saw the angels, the scripture says that they were terrified. They were overwhelmed at the sight of the glory of these angels, which brings to mind like if an angel who is not God himself could have such glory, imagine the glory that God himself is seated and enthroned in. And they're coming as a conduit of that glory and that message. And the angel said to them, do not, do not be afraid for I bring, notice that word bring, they're the messengers. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. God is wanting to give this message of great joy to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. But much like in the 21st century, in the first century, there was a lot of really bad news. In fact, if you've watched the news this week, you've seen just story after story of what's happening in Aleppo and the Syrian empire and the destruction, the genocide. You see all these stories of people that are being appointed to the president's cabinet. And I read the news one morning and um, all the reports, I was like, done with the day at eight o'clock after reading the news because the interpretation of the news was so negative. It's amazing how much 
of a negative tone that we have in our society about life, about, about who the president is choosing. And maybe they're bad. I don't know anything about the people he's choosing. But, you know, sometimes there's this negativity. And then on top of the negativity is the brokenness in our world that really does exist. And so often when there's bad news that you're delivered over and over and over and over again, the brokenness, the fear, the struggle of humanity... Yet when the angel shows up and there's fear inside the shepherds, the angel tells them how to overcome their fear. And he says to them, actually, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And there's something so beautiful that's happening in this one interchange because good news has the ability to overcome great fear. See, God wants to bring good news to your life that transcends your circumstances that there is a reality that is beyond your suffering or the human brokenness. In fact, that same reality that the angel was delivering to the shepherds is the good news that God wants to deliver today. So he says, I bring you good news of great joy for all people for today. Today is the day that we've been waiting for for centuries. In fact, today in the town of David, verse 11, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah. He's the one that prophets have written about. He's the one that people have been praying for and he's the Lord. And this is your sign. Here's your sign. If you go to this town, you will find a baby and that baby will be wrapped in cloths and he will be lying inside of a manger. The same object that your sheep feed in, this little baby boy is going to be there. And then immediately... In that moment, as the news is delivered to the, to the shepherds, the scripture says that suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God. So the angels are messengers, but now they're going to start worshiping God because this scene is so good. It's so amazing that God has come from heaven to earth and they can't help it. They just break out in this eruption, this chorus. It says, so they start praising God saying, glory to God in the highest in heavens and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes when I see people who worship Jesus and they're just so timid to want to praise him. I love when there, are, there is this sense in which God has changed your life and the good news of Jesus is so much better than your circumstances, but you can't help in that moment to give glory, to praise God, to lift your hands in honor to him, to sing of his praises and declare his glory. I imagine the moment when you and I come into heaven, when there is fullness of rejoicing, that there will be so much jubilation and excitement over the fact that there is this good news that humanity has been redeemed by the hand of God. So there's good news, great joy, glory to God in the highest. They're singing, and then all of a sudden, boom, they leave. And here these shepherds are standing there like, okay, that was cool. Did that really happen? Did they, did, were they here? And maybe there's a little bit of fear still settled in, but what do we do with all of this? And then I love how the story continues it. So, so then the shepherds looked at each other, and it says, as soon as they had left and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, we should have caught that on YouTube. Um, <laughs> let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened to us, which the Lord has told us about. They've received a message. He's told them about it. So then they returned. They hurried or they hurried and found Mary and Joseph in the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, ladies, this is kind of funny to think about for a second. You know, when you give birth, if you've given birth, you don't want anybody there when that happens, right? Not even your mom, usually. 
but a bunch of shepherds just bust on the scene after you're like pushing and then here's a bunch of shepherds, you know, it's like, okay, welcome. Yeah. Selfies for everyone, you know? And so here's, here are all these shepherds that come in and Mary has already kind of heard. She's already kind of received a message about the baby, but now the angels deliver the message to the shepherds and the shepherds come in and they reconfirm that message. And it says when they had seen the baby, when they had noticed the baby, it says they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. God uses a group of dirty shepherds to bring amazement and wonder. God uses ordinary people to bring his glory to the lives of those around. It's not a pedigree thing that has to happen spiritually. It's not a certain amount of maturity, information, and knowledge. God can use any life to spread his good news to the lives of those who are around them. So the shepherds spread it. People start praising God. And then it says, and then... Then Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her hearts. The shepherds then returned back to their job, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Why did God choose shepherds? Why did he choose these people to declare his praises and tell his story? See, if I were God, I would choose a king. I would choose somebody who already has a million followers on YouTube. I would find somebody who already has a platform. Yet when God chooses people, he chooses humble, ordinary people. When we think of greatness in our language or our understanding, we think of greatness as something we ascend to. But God, when he thinks of greatness, he thinks of it as something you descend to. And here he chooses somebody who's at the bottom of society to bring a message of hope to bring people up. But it's easy when you're reading this to miss actually what is happening with the shepherd. So I want us to walk through, back through the story and ask the question, what was it about them? Because I think more than just God having an affection for shepherds, I think that God knew that he could get the shepherd's attention. I think that the angels who delivered the message, delivered the message in part because there was a group of people who would listen if God spoke. So I want us to notice from this story what it would have been like if they were in the 21st century. You, you guys ever do that when you read the Bible? You think like, what if it were to happen today? So we have an artist that's connected to our church and actually we did a drawing of what it might have been like if the shepherds had some cell phones and tablets. So let's look at this together. I want you to notice this picture, okay? So here's this one shepherd on the left, and he's taking a selfie of him and the sheep. And then um, this other one over here who's got a mullet, he's, uh, I guess they all kind of have mullets, but the one in the middle, he's got, you know, a real uh, Andre the Giant mullet there, and um, he's playing Mario Run. And then the other one over here, he's on the phone, he's being called by boss man and just getting some instructions about taking care of the sheep. See, I, I thought about that story because so often, many of us, God is trying to reveal his truths to our lives, but we're so busy. We have so much going on that it is so easy to miss the message. You can bring that, that down. That's on, posted on my Instagram if you want to check it out. Or the, we'll put it up from the church if you want to grab that and just you know, take selfies with that picture. But um, it's amazing, though, how often God is speaking and we're not listening. Yet the shepherds, when he came, the first 
part of a life that speaks of God's goodness is a life that listens. It begins with hearing. Because if you don't have any message that you've heard, you don't have any message to speak. This weekend, I did something really impulsive. I sent Stacy out of town for the weekend. And on Friday morning, I'm sitting there, and Thursday morning, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm kind of like feeling a little bit sorry for her because she's sad. Her family's all together back on the East Coast and sister and brother and their kids are all coming together for Christmas. And I sent out a group text to everybody saying like, hey, she's sad. You know, don't post pictures of everything. I didn't say it that way. I said, pray for her. But <laughs> it was implied, like, don't stop. You know, it's making her more sad. And then her brother responds back to the text, send her home. I'm in for 250. Dad, are you in for 250? So dad's in for 250. So we're at 500. I went and I checked the prices on American Airlines and they were 750. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, I cannot be the husband that does not send her home. I'm in for 250. So 20 minutes after I send the text, I got her tickets and she's going home for Christmas holiday. So there she is with her folks. Stacy, if you're watching this, they all clapped. So um, I got a point for that one. But Stacy got everything ready before she left. And I played dad and mom this weekend. Um, I got some help from our church and my assistant. So we're, we got a lot of help. But um, Stacy, before she left, she like in 24 hours, she got all the clothes washed. She planned out meals. She, I mean, it was amazing. And so she's telling me this on Thursday night before she leaves. And she's just going through all the list of stuff. And I'm doing that thing that men do. You know what I'm saying? Like I got my phone out and I'm listening, but I'm not listening. And so she's just talking. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like she's talking and you're just, it's like Charlie Brown's mom. It's like, wah, 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 or a teacher on Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah. And you're just like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm listening. So what happens in those conversations, and what, what's amazing to me is that, why is it always men that that happens to? Like what, you know, it never happens with a guy talking to a, a woman that she's not listening. It's always women talking to men. So she's talking, and oftentimes when she's talking, I'm just like, I, I'm, I am listening, right? So she says, oh, you are listening. You guys ever do this before? What happens? You are listening. Well, tell me what I just said. I'm like, well, if you could repeat that last part, that'd be really helpful. But you know what's funny? Um, this time she did something different. It's brilliant. She just stopped talking. And I just stopped. I'm like, why are you stopping? And she said, well, because you're not listening. So if you're not listening, why should I talk? See, I think that sometimes God does the exact same thing with us. It's he's talking and it's like Charlie Brown's teacher and we just stop listening. We just, we got so much noise that crowds out the voice of God. See, hurry is the enemy of intimacy. So if you're so busy with your life and there's no space for God to speak to you, you'll never have a message to speak in public. A life that shares God's good news in public starts in private with listening to him. It's tuning your ears, your heart, your mind to the voice of God. And God wants to train your ear to listen, not just to hear, but to let it sink into the recesses of your soul. Is there space in your life for God to speak to you? Or are you so busy 
Do you have so much going on, so much shopping to do, so many parties to plan, the perfect present, the perfect party, the perfect moment of the holidays, that there's no opportunity or margin in your life to slow down long enough for the voice of God to speak into you. Sometimes it's a voice of love. Sometimes it's a voice of reason. Sometimes it's a voice of correction. But it's always a voice of good intention towards you. And if you'll listen in private, you'll have something to say in public. Imagine if I, if I stood up here and I preached a message and there was no time in the week to prepare, no time to listen, no time for God to speak into my heart. And sometimes in our lives, we do that. We just talk, 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 talk. And there are people who follow Jesus that get burnt out and get exhausted. They get overwhelmed. I hear this phrase all the time. She's just burnt out. She, he's just burnt out. And the reason people get burnt out is not because they pour out. The reason people get burnt out is because they pour out with nothing pouring in. So if you're pouring out and pouring out and speaking and sharing and speaking and sharing, this is for those of you who are a part of our dream team here and those of you who are trying to make a difference with your life, if you're pouring and pouring and pouring and there's nothing pouring into you, then eventually you're going to become dry. But see, it's your responsibility to hear and listen. It's not a preacher's responsibility to speak God to you. I can do it once a week, but once a week's not enough. It'd be like if, if my kids, you know, they, they ate once a week and then we went to the doctor and said, why aren't they growing? Sometimes people spiritually eat once a week and wonder why they don't grow spiritually. It's because you're not feeding yourself Monday through Saturday. So you have to take responsibility if you're a follower of Jesus to get his word in your heart, to let it change the way you think, to hear his voice. So there's something that you can speak. So the angels heard, they listened. But then secondly, I want us to notice that the angels didn't just hear. There was another thing that happened for them. They came into where Mary was. And I, I just imagine this moment of preparation. The anxiety even that I would feel if I was going into a woman I've never met before, the room right after she's given birth. And they run into the room and the scripture says that when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. That was all that it took for the shepherds. It was one glimpse and they understood that this was not an ordinary baby. I know not all babies look the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know there are some ugly babies and the ugly baby is not your baby, right? Of course, of course. Um, but we'll just keep our own interpretation of cute and ugly with babies to ourselves. Unless it's ours, we can tell everybody how cute the baby is. But some babies, you see them in a moment, you know, okay, this, is, this baby's a little bit cuter than some other babies. But these shepherds understood with one glimpse of beauty, one glimpse of majesty to understand. They didn't just see, but they noticed the value in this child. There was good news of great joy for all people, and it had come in a flesh, in human form. God in a bod. God coming from heaven to earth so humanity could know the heart of God. He had taken on skin, and he was among them. And in that moment, they understood the significance of what they were experiencing right then. It just took one glimpse. See, it's one thing to hear, but it's not just hearing, it's seeing that is important to have something to speak about. To notice value in what's in front of you. It's possible to see something of value and totally miss it. We do this all the time. We do this in relationships. 
Sometimes famil familiarity is the enemy of honor and seeing that which is important of, and of great value. You could have a great spouse or a great job or a great house or a great level of income and you're so familiar with it that you don't even see how valuable it is anymore. And the same is true when it comes to the Christmas story. For many of us, it has become so familiar. We go to Starbucks, they took away the Christmas cups. They're all red now, but they're still holiday cups. And there's holiday music playing, singing about baby Jesus in Starbucks. It's unbelievable. Come let us adore him when you're standing in the line at Starbucks. And there are people just hearing that over and over and over again. And the message is so familiar to so many of us that we put it on the shelf with our kids' fables that Aesop wrote. And it doesn't hit our hearts anymore. See, God wants the message of Christmas to impact your heart, to realize its value to humanity, but its value to you that God would come so you could be restored to his heart, that he would take his son and put him in human flesh, that he would die on a cross, that he would resurrect from the dead so that you could be restored back to the heart of God regardless of sin and brokenness in you. Good news of great joy for all people. And in one glimpse, the shepherds saw it. It's possible to see without noticing value. In fact, I want us to watch a very short clip here. And I want us to notice this violinist as he's playing his violin. And I want us to see the response of people who just walk past him and ask the question, does their response say more about them or more about the violinist? Because there's some bad violinists, as we can notice if you walk through a subway station or go anywhere, you can see there are good musicians and bad musicians. But watch this musician at the, at the metro stop in D.C., Notice this violinist as people walk by. I'll walk us through. Let's play it together. Guy gets his violin. He comes in. He opens up and is there to receive money. People just walk by. They're just going hundreds, now thousands of them just walking past. Nobody's stopping. What's going on with this? Nobody's noticing value. Maybe somebody puts in a quarter. Just going, 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 going. So busy, so fast. That's not real speed in case you're wondering. But a couple people, maybe we should stop. And nobody notices. Like, here's this guy just playing. Probably because, like, they've seen violinists before. And maybe somebody played yesterday that wasn't as good or was on his guitar singing and trying to get some money so he could get some more beer. But here's this guy playing his violin. And then I want us to notice, though, this same man... 24 hours before had played for the Library of Congress, and I want you to see another video of him on the violin. The night before he was in the subway station, this guy got paid $100 a ticket to hear him play the violin. One of the world's most famous violinists was 
in the station where people were walking by and nobody stopped to see how beautiful this music was or to hear it and listen to it. It's possible to see something and not perceive its value. And this Christmas, God is asking you, will you slow down in the midst of your busyness and see the value in the Christmas story? Because when you hear it and you listen, and when you see it and you perceive its value and you notice the, the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of God coming from heaven to earth, it begins to shape and change you. And it's just one glimpse. And when you start to see it, then eventually you want to start speaking about it. You want to start sharing. So it's listening, hearing, seeing, noticing that eventually translates into speaking about it. Recently, um, about two years ago, I should say recently, I discovered this restaurant in Los Gatos. And I usually eat at restaurants like Five Guys and Panera Bread, okay? So somebody gave me this gift certificate to this place called Nick's in Los Gatos. It's unbelievable. And I got there and Immediately, I noticed that there was a difference in value between Nick's and Five Guys. Or uh, Five Guys is great. It's good burgers, but there's a difference in value. And one moment, there's a hostess. They take you to a white tablecloth seat. I wouldn't eat in this restaurant if there wasn't a gift certificate. You know, it was kind of one of those restaurants. But I got down at the table. We ordered, we ordered some appetizers. The appetizers came and just like one bite. I'm like, that, that is so much better than the fries that I had at in and out last week. I mean, that's like a significant qualitative difference, infinite qualitative difference between that food and this food. All it took was one bite to distinguish quality. Now, once you taste something and you see something and you notice something of value, what happens is you eventually want to start speaking of it. That's why you see Raiders fans with jerseys on and Niners fans when they're oh, 1 and 12 and they're still wearing the jerseys, man. It's because they, they, when you love it, when it matters to you, you speak of it. And we have a God who is victorious and he's undefeated. He's not one in 13. He is undefeated and glorious and powerful and mighty. And he wants the message to impact you so that you can speak it to the lives of others. And what's beautiful about this is the same God that is at work in you is, in, is at work all around you. And I think about the shepherds through this angle. I think about what, what could have happened if the shepherds didn't go to Mary, if they didn't take the message that had been delivered to them. Maybe how much longer it would have taken for Mary to understand. Maybe Mary would have immediately understood, but something transpired in that moment when Mary heard from the shepherds. But what the shepherds didn't know when they delivered the message to Mary was that Mary had already been spoken to by God. So they were already confirming what God had been speaking into Mary's heart in that moment. So God's speaking to Mary through an angel, but then God speaks to an angel who then speaks to a shepherd who takes the message back to Mary, and he's trying to help her understand the value of what she's given birth to. See, when God uses you to spread your faith, it's not like you are working in isolation. God will get you and I to a place where we can share his good news with the life of others, into the lives of others, but God is still at the same time, working in other people's lives. So you've been praying for somebody, but what you didn't realize was that there was a grandma that had been praying for your coworker for years. And when you reach out to share the difference that God's made in your life, there's something that triggers in them and it connects. It's a catalyst. And you're a part of the story of God changing somebody else's life. And God wants to leverage your story. 
what you've seen and what you've heard so that the people around you can be influenced, can be changed, can be different because of you. And I think a part of the intimidation with this is so many of us realize our own issues. We see our brokenness. We see how much we mess up. We see the fact that we don't have it all together. And we think, how could God use a medium like me? But the reality is God is not looking for a medium that is perfect. God is looking for a medium that's available. He's looking for somebody that he can leverage your life to get it into the lives of others. I love on Instagram now how there's this component of it that's called my story. You guys know about this? It's really just a Snapchat ripoff, but it's, um, it's pretty cool. And you take your story and you put it out there for other people. Now, I, I think some people, their story is like what they had for breakfast, the snack they had between breakfast and lunch, their lunch, the beer flight they had at dinner. I mean, it's like, thank you for that story. But I was really hoping to hear your story of what you're seeing and what you're hearing. And it's amazing how news, it used to be translated or received differently than it is today. The way that news was received 30 years ago is people held up this sheet of paper like this. It was called newspaper. And they would, they would just read it for like 30 minutes to get the news. And now the way that people receive news is they pull out their phone, scroll, and if like in a split second it doesn't catch a person's eye, they just move on to the next thing. And so often for people who follow Jesus, we think that we have to have like this novel of information for those around us. Ain't nobody got time for your novel. Um, but they do have time for a 30-second snippet of the difference that God has made in your life. Just a little bit of your story, how God's changed you. My life was like this, now it's like this. I was going through a divorce, but then I found comfort. I was in bondage and I couldn't change, but now I have freedom. My life is being made new. I have hope now. This church has changed my life. It's amazing the power of a sentence of 140 characters, 240 characters, just a little bit that if it's posted out there, there's, there's limitless potential what can happen with a few seconds. God's placed around you people and he's already at work in their lives. So those cards inside your program are there for us to spread the word. There, there are two to three people around you that God's stirring in your heart. As you've heard this message, they come to mind for you. It might be a sister, it might be a family member, it might be a coworker, it might be somebody down the street from you, but God's stirring in your heart to say, I wanna use you to spread your faith to them. See, if 2,000 people in our church said, I'm gonna let my faith be contagious, could you imagine the limitless potential of what God can do through a church? The enemy's whole strategy for you is to get you focused on you. His, his goal is to get you focused on feeling like you're not giving, getting enough so that you can't give. But God has been giving to you all along so that you can give to others. He's been changing you and working in you so that he can use your life so that it doesn't stop with you, but it can go viral through you. So Christmas is one of the greatest opportunities of the year for this to happen. A simple invitation can result in somebody's life being changed for all eternity. I baptized a girl last service named Twee, who recently made a decision to follow Jesus and there is amazing joy and peace in her life because God's changed her. But did you know that Twee's story started with Judy? 
Judy was coming to the services at South Bay and she said, you know, God's changing my life and I got this friend that I work with and I want her to experience what I've experienced. I'm going to share it with her. And God used Judy to change Tweed's life for all eternity. There are people like that around you and he's inviting you. So you can take those cards. I want to encourage you right now, pull those cards out and let's ask God to give us a name, give you a name of somebody around you that you can bring with you to one of our Christmas services at all three of our campuses. God, we pray that you would stir in our hearts to share with us people around us that you you want to use us to make a difference with. Other ways that we can we can share the, the difference is through social media through what we do with Instagram. In fact, if you will see on the screen here, we're putting a bunch of resources online this week through Facebook, through Instagram to take it and spread the word. You can go to uh, Instagram, you can like it, you can distribute it. It's amazing just a click, how one click can be a conduit. There might be somebody right around you that they're there, they're struggling, and when they see your faith, the fact that you were at church today, the fact that God's changed your life, it can be a trickle effect that it can go from you to the edges of our community so that lives can be changed with the good news and the message of Jesus. God, we thank you today for this story of the shepherds that didn't have it all together and you took their lives and you used them. Thank you today that you want to use our church, that your eyes are roaming from heaven to earth that you're looking for people like the shepherds who are available to you. And I pray today, Lord Jesus, that you would find us available. We know that anything you start, you complete. And you're not done with the work in us, and you're not done with the work through us. And so today we receive afresh your grace and your mercy. Thank you for good news. Thank you today, even as there are people who are in our services who've never heard this good news before. May today be a start of something new in them where they receive and see how deeply they're loved by you, how much you care about their heart knowing you and experiencing your love. And for those of us who are followers of you, will you convict us where we've been selfish and we've been focused on ourselves? And will you help us lift our eyes to our community, to those around us, to realize that we have good news of great joy for all people. Thank you for how you're changing lives through this church and how you want to continue to use us to influence more stories. May we be obedient to spread your good news. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.